continue talking about the kingdom of God. This morning, I want to talk to us about kingdom thinking. Kingdom thinking. To think from a completely new perspective. To think from a completely new frame of mind, a frame of reference. Kingdom thinking. You know, the Bible tells us this in Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 to 13. The Bible says, you know, God giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to partake of the inheritance that is in the saints. You know, God has already qualified you. Do you know that even before you wrote the test, you've passed the test? Isn't that neat? It says God already qualified us. He already said, pass mark, graduated. He already qualified you for what? To partake, to enjoy the inheritance that he has for his people. He's already qualified us to partake of the inheritance of the saints in light. And then he tells us something in verse 13. Who has delivered us from the powers of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his own dear son. So you are in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Amen. And he brought us out of the kingdom of darkness. So the kingdom of Jesus is a kingdom of lights. And we've been brought out of the kingdom of darkness, translated there. And just as, you know, darkness and light are totally opposite, so is the kingdom of Jesus from the kingdom we were used to living in. We're in a totally opposite, totally different kingdom. You are now in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And in fact, Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. It's inside you. Amen? Now, something about this kingdom. In John the 18th chapter, when Jesus was being interviewed by Pilate, and uh, Pilate said, you know, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, you know, you're saying that. And then Jesus continued in that same conversation in John 18 and verse 36. He said, you know, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. Meaning, my kingdom, he's saying, comes from above. It's totally different kingdom. It doesn't belong to this kingdom. My kingdom is not of this world. Which means that you and I are now in a kingdom which is not of this world. Amen. It's totally different from this world that you know, we kind of grew up in. We are in a kingdom that's not of this world. Now, many of you may have traveled overseas. And just for the sake of example, let's say that you, know, you were living in Bangalore. And uh, let's say you drive in the city of Bangalore. So, while you're driving here, you're in your car. I mean, there are no lanes in Bangalore. So, you just drive any which way you want. You know, the only thing we don't do is go under cars and over cars. But other than that, we do everything else. Left, right, everything is allowed here. You know, and traffic lights, we obey them occasionally. But most of the time, you know, you just go by. You know, parking, no parking signs are there only if there's a policeman to enforce it. Otherwise, it's not valid. You know, and then littering around the place, it's like, hey, the whole world's a dustbin anyway. So, you know, I mean, that's, that's the way we kind of live here. I know I'm exaggerating a bit, but it's kind of close. You know. But now you get in a plane and you land just for the sake of conversation. You land in New York. You land in the United States. And you get off there, you go to Hertz Rental and you rent a car. And all of a sudden, you begin to obey traffic laws. You drive in your own lane. You don't honk as much, very rarely, if any. And uh, uh, when the light turns red, you stop. 
And you stop when there's a stop sign before you turn. And you don't litter most of the time. I mean, I know there are parts of But most of the time, you don't litter. If you want to throw a wrapper, you go to the dustbin, you put it in there. Now, let's say it's time for you to come back to Bangalore. So you get on a plane, <laughs> you come back to Bangalore. And you're hardly out of the airport. And let's assume you've, you know, you're driving right after you got off the plane. And you're back to your old ways. You know, you're like, there are no more lanes. You honk. By the time you've come out of the airport, hit the Hebal flyover, you honked, you know, just unlimited number of times. And it's red light. It's okay. I just keep going. I mean, you're the same guy. Like two days ago, you were like, you were obeying traffic rules. They meant something to you. The lanes meant something. You're back here. It's totally different. And, you know, as soon as you finish drinking your coffee, the cup goes out of the window. You know, it's just back to littering and doing everything you want to do. But you are the same person who two days ago in the United States were a totally different person. Living totally different. The point is this. There are two points I want to bring about. First of all, cultures, the way you think, the way you, the culture that you're in will so affect your behavior. And two, we all have the potential to change. Nobody can say, I can't change. You can. You can change your way of thinking. I mean, just get in the plane, go across overseas, and you're just a totally different person. But when you're in India, why are you behaving like this? Now, I'm not a, giving a political speech today. I'm going to get back to the Word of God. You know? The point is this. We have the ability to change. Change our perspective, to change our thinking, eventually change our behavior. Now, we are in the kingdom of God culture of the kingdom of God is very different. The mindsets, the way of thinking, the patterns of thinking, the framework for thinking, for thought and perception in the kingdom of God is very different from the kingdom of the world. And although you are in the kingdom of the world, you and I are called to live by the culture of the kingdom of God. Amen? And the fact is, we can. We can do it. You can. You can be in this world, but think from a kingdom perspective. You can have kingdom thinking. So this morning, I want to challenge us along this line. The reality is we are in the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God is in us. But unfortunately, many of us have not transitioned into kingdom thinking. But hopefully this morning, you'll be challenged enough to say, you know, I'm in the kingdom of God and I need to start thinking from kingdom perspective. I need to start looking at things the way Jesus wants me to look at things. Amen? And it is possible. We can do it. And if we are able to do that, if we are able to think from kingdom perspective, our lives will be changed. The way we live, our lifestyle, our behavior will be changed. Then truly be able to demonstrate the kingdom of God in our world. But it has to begin with kingdom thinking. Amen? Now, Jesus taught us a lot about kingdom thinking. And we will not be able to cover all of that in this sermon this morning. Uh, We will try to put it out in a publication so you can study it later. But I want to just kind of give some highlights of what kingdom thinking is like. Just pick out a few things here randomly here and there to show us this is how you and and I need to be thinking as people in God's kingdom. And I want to encourage you to study the rest of it and really develop a kingdom mindset. A kingdom framework from which you look at things, from which you perceive things, from which you make your decisions. If we will do that, we will truly be a kingdom community. We will have a kingdom culture amongst us. Amen? So, 
Here are some things that Jesus taught us about kingdom thinking. And these are just part of the, uh, what I would call is the framework of thinking for us. I'm just speaking out a few things here randomly, which will help us develop or uh, have a kingdom thinking frame of reference. Now, here's the first thing Jesus said, which I just summarize as saying, you know, there's a higher standard of living in the kingdom. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 5, Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 to 30. He said, you know, uh, you've heard it said that you will not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever says to his brother Raka will be in danger of the council. But whoever says you fool will be in danger of hellfire. You heard that it was said of those of old you will not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Now this is pretty radical. He's saying, listen, you know, you guys have this talk among you that, you know, if you murder, then, you know, you're going to face something serious. But I'm telling you, In this kingdom that I'm coming from, it's not just murder. If you have hatred in your heart, that's serious. You guys say, you know, if you commit adultery, that's sin. But I'm saying, even if you lust after a woman in your heart to possess her, that's sin. And so here's the deal. If it's your right eye causing you to sin, pluck it out. If it's your right hand, cut it off. Meaning, be very severe with yourself in how you deal with sin. No tolerance, zero tolerance for sin. Even if it means you're going to feel some pain in the process. Amen. And that's kingdom thinking. So, ouch, it hurts, you know. But listen, what do most of us do? When we look around us, we tend to come to the norm that's around us. But Jesus is saying, don't go down to the level of the norm around you. You belong to the kingdom. This is the way it is in the kingdom of God. Amen. No, we justify so many things. You know, he's doing it. You know, we look at all the people in our workplace, in our school or college or you know, the colleagues that we have who are not in the kingdom. Uh, they don't have a kingdom mindset. So they just do things and we say, you know, hey, he can do it. So I'm also going to do it. That's wrong. That's your mistake. They can do it maybe because they're of the world. But you belong to a kingdom that's not of this world. You belong to a kingdom where it's not just murder that's wrong. Hatred in your heart is equally wrong. You belong to a kingdom where it's not just committing adultery that's wrong, but having lust in your heart for a woman to possess her is wrong. That's your culture. That's our culture. Amen? Jesus described that for us. And you and I belong to a kingdom where we don't just say, you know, okay, that's a little weakness. I'll just have it on my side. No. We belong to a kingdom where our culture is, if there's something very personal that's causing you to sin, cut it off. That's our culture. The kingdom culture. Amen. So this is a much higher standard that you and I live by because we belong to the kingdom of God. How about another thing he told us about the power of love? In Matthew chapter 5, continuing that same Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5 verses 43 and 44, he said, you know, you heard it that it was said. That means this is the way, this is the norm around you. Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I'm saying to you, you know, this is the kingdom of God. I'm giving you kingdom teaching. I'm saying to you, Jesus said, 
love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. Saying, listen, in the kingdom of the world, you love those who are lovable and you hate those who are not lovable. But in the kingdom that I'm coming from, which I want you to be a part of, you love everybody. Even those who mistreat you, who ill-treat you, who do wrong to you, you still love them. You still bless them. You still speak good over their lives. Amen? I mean, our churches would be so different if we actually had kingdom perspective of one another. Our churches would be so different if we actually were a kingdom community, lived the simple teaching of Jesus. You just do good to those who hate you and you know, despitefully use you. Amen? So when you are in a difficult situation, whether it's in the church, your brother sitting next to you, or your dear sister sitting next to you does you wrong, uh, accidentally or knowingly or ignorantly or whatever, you know, if, when you're in that situation, whether it's in the workplace or school or college, where you feel you are wronged because you belong to the kingdom of God, because you come from a different culture, in your culture, it is not normal to retaliate and do evil for evil. In your culture, it's very normal to love those who hate you and ill-treat you. And it is possible. Now i got good news. You know, we're living in, in a place in, in our suburbia where they are trying to change the culture. So we've got dustbins all over that says, use me. Meaning trying to tell people, you know, don't litter, you put it there. Right? And now we've got to start this recycling program. We collect the newspapers, we collect old plastic things. So you know what? We are changing it. It can be changed. We're adapting to a different culture, so to speak. And it can happen to you and me in the context of the kingdom of God. Where you say, you know, I come from a culture where love is the norm. Love is patient, it's kind, it's gentle, it's forgiving. Amen. It's not normal for me to retaliate. It's not normal for me to repay anger for anger, hatred for hatred. It's normal in my kingdom, in my culture to love. Jesus said that's the way it is in the kingdom of God. Or think about the of faith. Jesus taught a lot about faith. And to walk by faith is a normal part of kingdom life. And to look at things from the perspective of faith is very normal. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty two. He said, have faith in God. Have faith in God. So as a person who comes from the kingdom of God, you look at things from the eyes of faith. You give up your right to fit God into your reasoning. Amen. Because of people of the world, we want to reason, we want to put God in our box. And we want to figure everything out. But faith says, God's bigger than my reasoning. I'll believe. I'll trust. I'll step out. I'll go with it. Amen. So in your thinking, you begin to think faith. You begin to plan faith. You begin to see faith. See impossibilities become possible. If God puts an assignment on your life and calls you to do something that's way beyond what you've ever done. And you know, in the natural, in your own reason, you say, God, I cannot do this. This is impossible. But because you're the kingdom of God and faith is part of your, your way of thinking, you say, God, all things are possible to him who believes. And you begin to think that way. And people will say, you know, what you're doing, that doesn't, that's not logical. It's beyond reason. How can you do it? Well, because you belong to the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, faith is part of your perspective. It's part of the way you think and see things. Amen? Faith is so much part of our kingdom thinking. We look at things from the eyes of faith. Or, or how about doing things 
for the sake of the king. In Mark chapter 8, verses 34 and 35, Jesus, you know, this is, this is a very, very radical invitation. He calls the people and he says, you know, you guys want to come after me? Listen, if you want to come after me, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Because if you desire to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake and the gospels, you will save it. This is kingdom thinking. I'm following the king. I'm willing to deny myself, take up my cross and follow him. Which means that there will be times when I will lose my life for his sake and the gospels. Meaning I will make decisions, choices, live and do things. That in the eyes of the world will be counted foolishness. But I will do it for his sake and the sake of the gospel. Amen. That's kingdom thinking. I'm willing to do it for his sake. Now, whatever it might be, it could translate into something like, you know, give up something that you really enjoy. Or take on something you know it's really hard to do, but do it anyway. Now, many of us, we don't even talk about the giving up. Giving up is kind of easy to do because less responsibility. But the taking up is a little more hard because it's more work. Right? So sometimes God may say, you know, give up something. And you say, I'll do it for the sake of Jesus Christ and his gospel. And people around you saying, you know, that's, that's just being foolish. But you're doing it for the king's sake. Or sometimes the king will say, I want you to take up this responsibility. Go through it. And people are saying, you know, why are you doing it? You don't need to do it. You can just, you know, it's, life can be so much easier without you doing it. But he's saying, I'll do it for his sake and the gospels. Either way, you're motivated for his sake and the gospels. When the world says, that decision looks very foolish. When the world says, you know, that's unnecessary. That's unreasonable. Inside you, you're just looking at it from a different perspective. Amen. For the king's sake and his gospel's sake. That's kingdom thinking. How about being like little children? Many times Jesus challenged people to be like little children. Here for instance in Matthew the 18th chapter verses 1 to 4. It says, you know, the disciples came to Jesus saying, you know, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? I mean, maybe I'm just imagining, maybe they're thinking, you know, maybe one of us will fit the bill. Maybe one of us would make it there. To be numero uno, the number one in the kingdom of heaven. So you know, Jesus, just tell us, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and he said, Surely I say to you, unless you be converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He says, you know, forget about being greatest. You know, you need to become like this little child just to enter heaven. And if you really want to be greatest in the kingdom, he says, I want you to humble yourself like a little child. Humble yourself like a little child. Now, what Jesus is saying. He says, you know, the kingdom of God, if you really want to enter into the kingdom of God, you really want to experience the kingdom of God, and you want to be great in the kingdom of God, he says, you've got to be like a little child. You've got to be childlike. Now, please don't confuse it with being childish. They are two different things. Most of us end up being very good at being childish. 
He didn't say be childless. He said you've got to be childlike. You know, childishness, that's mine, that's me. You know, it's all about me. That's being childish. But what's childlike? A child completely trusts its parents. You know, you know think about a three-year-month-old, four-month-old child. It doesn't tell the mom, you know, did you mix enough salt? Did you cook the food enough? I mean, did you do my laundry today? It doesn't do any of that. Just trusts. My mama or my, my dad is feeding me this. I'm going to eat it. Just trust. Just take it. And a little child is totally dependent on its parents. Totally. Utterly dependent. She's so saying, you've got to humble yourself like a little child. Come to a place where you're just so totally dependent on God. Where you say, God, without you, I am nothing. Without you, I can do nothing. That's being childlike. Total trust. Total dependence. And he says, if you're childlike, then you can enter heaven. Then, if you will humble yourself like a child, come to that place where you say, God, I am nothing without you. I am nothing. I'm just totally dependent on you. If you humble yourself like a little child, he says, you know, now you're qualified for greatness in the kingdom of God. Amen? So in the kingdom, childlikeness is of great value. In fact, there are other things he said about being childlike. In Matthew nineteen fourteen. he said, Let the children come to me. Do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. These are the kind of people I want in my kingdom. I want childlike people. People who just trust. People who just totally depend. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. He said, Mark ten fifteen. Mark puts it this way. He says, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. You want to get in? You want to experience the things of the kingdom? You got to receive it like a child. Receive it like a child. Meaning, there'll be a lot of things that God says and does that you cannot figure it out. You just receive it like a child. Amen? And he says, that qualifies you to enter and experience the things of the kingdom of heaven. So we need to make this part of our thinking. There are times when God will speak to you. Challenge you and say, do this. Or behave like this. And you say, God, that doesn't just fit my thinking. And then you remind yourself, the kingdom of heaven is made of people who are childlike. They simply trust. They totally depend on the king. Amen. He said, of such is my kingdom. People who are like children, they just trust me. They totally depend on me. Think about another important thing in the kingdom of God. Just two more and I'll close here this morning. About being a servant in order to be great. You know, like all good mothers, the mother of James and John had great dreams for her sons. So one day she, you know, got them to Jesus. She was trying to secure their future. And she said, Jesus, I have just one request. Matthew chapter 20. I have one request. Can you please grant that when you set up your kingdom... James would sit on one of your one hand and John on the other side. My only request, Jesus, I will not ask anything more. My only request. And Jesus said, you know, can you drink of the cup that I drink of? You know, they said, yeah, we can. And Jesus said, of course, you can drink of the cup of suffering that I am going to partake in. You two will partake in it. But to sit on my right or my left, it's not mine for me to decide. But let me deal with the root of the issue, the root of the matter. What you are looking for is for greatness in my kingdom. You think that by sitting on my right hand or my left hand, you're going to have greatness in my kingdom. 
not so. For whoever of you wants to be, he said, you know, look at the Gentiles, look at the world. In the, in the world, people who are great exercise authority over others. But in my kingdom, if you want to be great in my kingdom, you got to be least. And in my kingdom, if you want to be uh, a leader, you got to become a servant. Amen. This is the culture of the kingdom you and I belong to. This is kingdom culture because Jesus taught us about the kingdom. Now, the mistake many of us make is we try to adapt you know, all that Harvard Business School teaches us into the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, my kingdom is not of Harvard. It's of another world. Now, there's nothing wrong at good management principles and all that stuff. You use it where it's appropriate. But when, when it comes to kingdom thinking, you think like this. If I want to be great in God's kingdom, I must be willing to become least. And if I want to be a leader, I must become a servant. When I'm serving people, I'm leading them. That's the kingdom of God. Amen? When I become the least of all, I am being great in the kingdom of God. That's kingdom thinking. How wonderful the church would be if all of us did this. Amen? Nobody's looking for, you know, who's going to be up on stage and I want to be up on stage. No, 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 no. That's not important. Will you be a servant? It's important. Will you, are you willing to become least? Somebody of, who will have no attention, no significance, so to speak. Will you have that kind of a heart? Will you have that kind of an attitude in whatever you do? In whatever you do, whatever, whether it's you know, something up on stage, something down there, or whatever you do, if you do it with a heart of a servant, then you are a true leader in the kingdom. If you do it with a heart saying, you know, I don't care if I'm insignificant, I'm nothing, then you're preparing yourself for greatness in the kingdom. Amen? But if I do it out of a heart saying, you know, I want to be in that position, I want to be recognized, you're being disqualified. For greatness and leadership in the kingdom of God. Amen. This is a totally different way of looking at things. Kingdom thinking. I want to challenge you. Would you say, God, I'm willing to be least so that I can be greatest in the kingdom. I'm willing to be a servant so that I can be a true leader in the kingdom. Whatever I do, God, whatever you call me to, whatever my role or my function is, I'm going to do it with a heart that says, I'll be a servant. And I'm willing to become insignificant. Because that's the doorway to greatness and leadership in God's kingdom. Amen. And lastly, this is pretty radical because, you know, Jesus gave us many parables about the kingdom of God. And here's one of those parables he gave us in Matthew 20 verses 1 to 16. Matthew chapter 20 verses 1 to 16. He said, you know, the kingdom of heaven is like this. So he says, look. I'm giving you a little description of how the kingdom of God is, how the kingdom of heaven is. He said, it's like this. It's like a landlord who had a big vineyard. And I'm just paraphrasing it here. He had a big vineyard and he wanted to get some work done in his vineyard. So he went out, you know, at nine o'clock in the morning, he went out, he found some laborers. He said, you know, I'll give you one denarius for working this whole day in my vineyard. They all agreed. They went and started work. And then a little later, Maybe at 10 o'clock, even someone found some more laborers. He said, you know, please go. He saw them standing out there. He said, you're looking for a job? They said, yes. He said, go ahead, start working in my vineyards. They went and started working. Then at 12 o'clock, and then at 3 o'clock, and then probably at 5 o'clock, he found more laborers, and he sent them all to work in his vineyards. 
Now it came to the end of the day. It's probably at 6 o'clock in the evening. They want their daily wages. They all assemble. He starts from the last. The people who went in maybe at 4 o'clock and probably worked just 2 hours. He tells his manager, he says, give them 1 denarii. Give them the amount that, that's a full day's wages. Give it to them. Then the people who came in at 3 o'clock get, get a full day's wages. Then they came at 12 o'clock. They also get a full day's wages. And the people who came sharp at 9, they get the same wage. A full day's wage. And they protest. The 9 o'clock labor union raises up their hands. And they say, we object. There is objection here. You're not doing what is fair. How can you give us what who came at 9 and worked a full day? How can you give us the same as what you're giving them? The people who came and just worked for two hours. It's not fair. And then the landlord says, what did I agree to give you? I said, I'll give you one denarii. For the day's wages. Haven't I kept my word? Haven't I given it to you? Yes. Then why do you question me now. When I choose to do something else with the others. Do I not have the right. To do what I wish. With my own. Answer is yes. And Jesus said. So is the kingdom of God. Now. In our world. We will never do this. Somebody works a month. They get a month's wages. Somebody works three months. They get paid for three months. Is that right? That's how it works, yeah. We never do something like this. But Jesus said, this is how the kingdom of heaven is. What's the point? The point is this. God has a right to do as he pleases. And you and I must celebrate whatever he does. Take for example, and this is translated into some daily examples. Let's say you've been a believer for 25 years and you've been praying about something for 25 years. And then, after that, you see the answer to your prayer. After 25 years, you pray. Here comes another person, you know. He's just been a believer for a year. And in a year's time, he prays for the same thing. You've been praying for 25 years. And God answers. Wonderfully. And you're saying, God, that's not right. I mean, I had to pray for it for 25 years. I mean, God, how many 40-day fasts I went on for just to get this answer. And here's little Joe. Not even done half a day fast. Hardly been a believer. Doesn't, hasn't even read the book of Ma- Gospel of Matthew. And here, you break through in their life and give them this answer. Same thing. I had to do, take 25 years. What do you think Jesus will tell you if you went to him with that complaint? The same thing. Do I not have a right to do with what is my own as I wish? Did I not answer your prayer? I answered your prayer. It just took 25 years for you to get the answer. But I did answer. But that person. The point is this. You and I cannot evaluate what God is doing from our perspective. What we must do is celebrate whatever God does in his kingdom. Because in his kingdom, God blesses whom he chooses to bless. He has mercy on whom he chooses to have mercy. He extends grace on whom he chooses to extend grace. What you and I can do is celebrate what God does. When you see another brother blessed, another sister blessed, God doing some awesome things through their lives, celebrate it. Because the king is doing as he pleases. And as part of that same kingdom, it's your privilege to celebrate what the king is doing. In another totally different context, in Romans 14, chapter, in the fourth verse, it's a slightly different context, but Paul makes this amazing statement. He says, you know, who are you to judge another man's servant? Who are you to judge another man's servant? 
to his own master he stands or falls indeed he will stand for god is able to make him stand you know, and I see this all just so often as, as ministers of God interacting with other ministers and so on. We see this so often. There's so much of competition because, you know, you know, I've been pastoring in the city for 25 years and I have a congregation of 50 people. And there comes little Joe. He starts his church in two years and he has a congregation of 100 people. This is not right. He must be up to tricks. Well, in the kingdom, God, you can't measure God according to your own graduating flask. God works the way he pleases. And if you are truly part of that kingdom... You will rejoice in everything that the king does. You will celebrate it. Even though in your mind it looks unfair. The king is just doing what he pleases. He knows whom to bless. He knows when to bless. He knows when to come through. Amen. One, let's get a little closer home. You know, somebody has been at all people's church for five years. And there's somebody else who comes into church for five months. And the next thing, pastor has promoted them. Pastor has you know, appointed them a ministry leader. Oh, they've been in church only five months. Pastor, I've been in all people's church for five years. And you haven't even asked me to come up and say a prayer from the pulpit. But Joe has been around for five months. And you've made him a ministry leader. Now, for the most part, I try to listen to God. So let's assume that this is God's working. Through my life, you know. So it's not just me promoting that person. But hopefully it's God doing this. So what should your reaction be in the kingdom of God? Kingdom thinking. Wow. God is working in that person's life as he pleases. He just saw it fit to do this. For whatever reason. Rather than you measuring things by your own scale. Celebrate what God is doing. Because he doesn't fit into any of our scales. Amen? Look at it from kingdom's perspective. The king is doing as he pleases and all of us just obey what he does and just go with what he does. Amen? So I'll stop here with these things here. Just to challenge us. Look, you know, we are in the kingdom of God. And the culture of the kingdom is so different from the way we are accustomed to, from the culture of this world. But we must train ourselves. We must adapt to the culture of that kingdom first of all change our thinking to think from kingdom perspective develop kingdom thinking in your life where you learn to say you know my standards are much higher than this world i'm not just trying to be in the norm and fit in the norm i'm here to live by the standards of that kingdom and in that kingdom standards are much higher i belong to a kingdom where love is the norm it's not normal to retaliate fight back Do evil for evil. It's normal to return good for evil in the culture that I come from, in the kingdom of God. Train yourself to think that way. In the kingdom of God, it's normal to see things by faith because faith can see the invisible. Faith sees possibility and impossibility. Faith sees every mountain small, like a small speck of dust before Almighty God. Faith sees a, a doorway, but there seems to be no doorway. And you begin to look at things from that perspective. In the kingdom of God, it's always worthy to lose things, to lose your life for the sake of the king and his gospel. In the kingdom of God, it's made up of people who are childlike. Childlikeness characterizes people in the kingdom of God. They trust implicitly. They depend completely on God. In the kingdom of God, servanthood is a pathway to greatness. A willingness to become insignificant is your first qualification to become great. The heart of a servant is absolutely essential to be a leader. And in the kingdom of God, you always celebrate what the king does. 
And he does as he pleases. Amen. I want to challenge us to have this kingdom thinking. If all of us begin to think that way, we will truly have a kingdom culture in our church, in our community. Can we do that? I want to encourage you to read the rest of the Gospels. Read the teachings of Jesus, because that forms the basis of our kingdom thinking. This is how we're going to look at things. Kingdom perspective. We've just touched on just a handful of them this morning. There's a whole lot more in the New Testament I want us to read, assimilate, create a framework. This is the way you will look at things in the kingdom of God. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.